And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Before we get started, let's hit that little subscribe button right down there in the corner. You know it's always a great time on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports. We talk all kinds of sports. We talk Houston sports. So let's get right into it. Monday Night Football. We had that uh, last Monday night. It was between the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. Uh, the Seahawks uh, thoroughly humiliated the New York Giants. I believe the score was 24-3 to uh, over at MetLife Stadium. It says right here, it's reported by SB Nation that the uh, Giants fans have a Monday night meltdown thanks to a dominant win by the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks thoroughly humiliated the New York Giants with a level of defense we've not seen a whole lot of against any team over the past several seasons. On a night when almost the entire offensive line was hurt and Geno Smith even got dinged up a little bit on that game, the Seahawks' defense even outscored the Giants on their way to a 24-3 victory at MetLife Stadium. Even if the Giants are awful, the Seahawks had a role in making them look terrible and didn't piss around and make the game a nail-biter at the end like we're used to seeing on Monday Night Football. Um, let's see here. Uh, it's always something special when we turn our attention to the New Yorkers. Big blue view. You're on Broadway today. Uh, yeah, so Geno Smith got injured. It was 7-0 in Seattle at that time. Uh, Noah Fant rumbled to the one-yard line, setting up a Ken Walker touchdown. 14-3 Seattle. Uh, Giants stopped Seahawks on fourth and one in the red zone. It was still 14-3 Seattle. Jason Myers misses 53-yard field goal. It was still 14-3 Seattle. Um yeah, uh, Devin Witherspoon with the pick six, uh, 21-3 Seattle. So the defense really, really uh, stepped up into play here. Now, um, what does that mean? Will Geno Smith uh, get get um, get better? Uh, what will Pete Carroll do for the next weekend? Uh, says right here in the uh, the Seattle Times, Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll says Geno Smith lucky to escape serious injury after dangerous tackle. Uh, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith should be okay after suffering a knee injury on Monday night's win over the New York Giants. Coach Pete Carroll said during his weekly radio show on Seattle Sports, 7-10. Uh, Carroll said, I think so. He went back into the game. He was able to get back out there, and I think so. Uh, Carroll said even more strongly he felt a flag should have been thrown on the play as New York's Isaiah Simmons tackled Smith out of bounds and doing so from behind and what uh, Carroll characterized as a horse collar tackle, which you can't do. So when a player pulls the, uh, pulls the horse collar, pulls the back of the neck of the, um, of the uh, offensive player and, uh, and gets a hold of the shoulder pads and the, and the horse collar sticking up and you pull them down, uh, that's illegal to do. Uh, it just should have been recognized, Carroll said. I don't even care about the penalty. We've got just we just got to get out, that out of the ball. It's so dangerous. Uh, Carroll said of Smith appearing to escape any significant injury that we're so lucky. Smith declined to detail the specifics of the injury, saying it was some slight pain. But overall, I was just happy that I came out okay. So he uh, he seems to be good for next week's matchup on Sunday, and uh, New York Giants. Uh, you know they need to get on their ball on the ball a little bit with uh, with just everything. You know, um, speaking of which, uh, let's talk. Go back to Sunday night's game real quick uh, between the Jets and the Chiefs. Um, let's talk about Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift real quick. So Taylor Swift, it's all over the news. It's all over the internet. Obviously, they're they're a couple. Are are, are they? They um, a friend 
of Taylor Swift's came out and said, right now it's just more of a friendship thing. They're hanging out. They're having a good time. Uh, she was seen at his mansion uh, by press. Uh, she came out, you know, into the car. He was there with her. So, um, and supposedly he uh, hung out at her uh, New York very posh apartment uh, before uh, the night before the game. So, uh, is it a friendship thing? Maybe. If it's not, great. You know, we, you know, couples are couples. Uh, of course, they're two superstars, and everybody's intrigued because Taylor Swift now is, um, you know, bringing a whole entire fan base of women to the NFL, which I think is a good thing. Uh, you can even make your uh, your own customized New York, or excuse me, Kansas City Chiefs jersey with says Swifty on it. So, um, so yeah, so. We'll see where that couple goes. Uh, you know, hopefully it go, turns out well. I want to see them both happy. Um, he tends to be kind of really smitten with her, and I think she's really into it. So, uh, yeah. So, good luck to them both. So, let's go back to the uh, Houston Texans real quick, my Houston Texans, who end up winning uh, Sunday's uh, matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 30-6. to uh, Now, the idea is... Uh, what is the predictions of the uh, Houston Texas versus the Atlanta Falcons for next week's matchup? Um, this is reported by uh, USA Today. Uh, let's see here. The Houston Texas 2-2 two two seek to keep their hot streak against uh, going against the Atlanta Falcons 2-2 two two in a road game Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud has been getting his footing in the NFL with the Texans capturing his first win in Week 3 against the Jacksonville Jaguars and earning another one last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Texans head coach is, getting, is also getting adjusted to his new role as D'Amico Ryans has guided his former team to 500-team win. Uh, Ryan is 1-3 against the Dirty Birds as a player, getting his lone win with the Texans in 2011. Dirty Birds meaning Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are favored to defeat the Texans according to the Bet MGM NFL odds, looking uh, to wager. Check out the best mobile sports betting apps. Um, so, yeah, so the odds are against the uh, against the Texans. They do have the Atlanta Falcons winning uh, over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Do I think uh, the Texans have a good shot at winning this game? They do. What I saw last week was uh, the defense really stepped up. And half of their offensive line is injured. So a lot of teams are going to be trying, I believe, trying to blitz uh, C.J. Stroud in the pocket. He's going to have to move around. They are second in the AFC South right now. So let's see uh, what the uh, Texans can do. Um, let's talk about C.J. Stroud for a minute. Houston, Texas quarterback C.J. Stroud is being looked upon as a candidate for the Rookie of the Year and possibly maybe even the MVP. Um, I'm not so sure about the MVP, but definitely Rookie of the Year. Of course, his last game against Pittsburgh, he had 306 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he had 208 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And uh, in the Indianapolis Colts, he had 384 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So he's sticking around that two-touchdown mark, but he has zero interceptions. He is now breaking rookie records for a uh, – most passing attempts with zero interceptions, surpassing the likes of former Houston Oiler Warren Moon, uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. You know, that's not really a bad crowd to be in, not a bad group to be in. Um, I think he's still trying to catch up with Cam Newton, uh, who's number one for rookie uh, rookie uh, records. But, 
Yeah, I mean, see, I think Houston finally has a quarterback now. From what I've seen, he's very accurate. He uh, makes good decisions in the pocket, even when he's getting blitzed. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll see what uh, Houston and Atlanta does uh, in the uh, next week's game on Sunday. So, uh, turning our attention today, we have, let's turn our attention to baseball, the MLB, Major League Baseball. Guess what, guys? We're in the playoffs. It's October. Uh, the wild card round. So, we have the Texas Rangers versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Rangers end up winning yesterday, yesterday's game 4-0. Uh, other, other people in the wild card round, we have the Miami Marlins versus the Philadelphia Phillies. And we have the Arizona Diamondbacks versus the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, this was reported by ESPN about 13 hours ago. Uh, here's the day one takeaways in game two. Game two is right around the corner. Uh, eight teams were in action on the first day of the 2023 MLB playoffs. Begin with the best of the three wild card round. The game one action in the American League saw the visiting Texas Rangers defeat the Tampa Bay Rays and the Minnesota Twins in their 18-game postseason losing streak at home with a win over the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, this is interesting because whoever wins the Toronto Blue Jays-Minnesota Twins uh, series will go on to play the Houston Astros in the divisional series. Uh, the National League took center stage in the evening with the Arizona Diamondbacks upsetting the Milwaukee Brewers and the Philadelphia Phillies beating the Miami Marlins. Um, let's see here. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies, it was four, Miami Marlins won. So they beat them four to one. Uh, on paper, the Marlins-Phillies was the biggest mismatch of the four wildcard series, and that's how game one played out. Uh, with Zach Wheeler taking a shot, shutout in the seventh and the Phillies knocking around uh, Jesus Lozado, Five of their eight hits off him in the, his four innings of work were 104 mile per hour or higher. Uh, it wasn't quite an easy win for the Phillies, however, as the Marlins scratched across a run in the seven thanks to a couple of infield singles and the go-ahead run at the plate. Um, Jose Alvarado came, came on and threw a, from another planet 94 mile per hour cutter to Yuli Gurriel, a former Houston Astros Yuli Gurriel, first baseman, uh, to strike him out in that threat. Um, the Marlins had the tie run at the plate in the eighth, but Jeff Hoffman came out and induced uh, Yorgi Solier to ground out. If Philadelphia's bullpen keeps this up, it's deeper and better than the last year's pin. Uh, which, you know, it went, uh, I think, game six. Uh, the Astros defeated the Phillies in last year's World Series, the 2022 World Series in game six. The Phillies have a chance to do more than just beat the Marlins, though. Here's the one thing to know for Game 2. Last postseason, the Phillies rode the 1-2 punch of Wheeler and Aaron Nola deep in October. Wheeler did his part in Game 1 on Tuesday night. Uh, but Nola had been the same pitcher as he was a year ago, with the regular season ERA rising to 4.46 in 2023, from 3.25 last season. Whether Nola can find that playoff touch again will play a big part in determining how for the Phillies go this month. Uh, let's talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers. Game one. The Arizona Diamondbacks uh, played the Milwaukee Brewers and defeated them 6-3. For all the pre-series talk about Arizona's speed, the Diamondbacks flashed a real winning postseason formula by mashing three homers over two innings off Milwaukee ace Corbin Burns. The spree began with a 440 foot bomb by probably National League Rookie of the Year Corbin Carroll, who stole 59 bases during the season but has plenty of muscle too. Um, let's see here. For the Brewers, the lament of game one is one of the missed opportunities. Twice they loaded the bases without scoring, 
including with no outs in the fifth. Um, if the Brewers didn't win some of those big moments in game two, then they'll have Freddie Peralta take the mound. They might never see Kelly Bradford do little. Um, here's the one thing to know for game two. Taking the over on the road is always nice, but in the, in the uh, Diamondbacks' case, winning game one sets them up especially well for a potential series upset. So originally, the uh, it, their, their odds makers are predicting that the Diamondbacks were originally not supposed to win this game. Uh, let's see. If needed in Game Three against the Brewers team that without injured Brandon Woodruff, uh, Arizona hands the ball to Ace Gallon in Game Two. Um, all right, let's move on here. Minnesota Twins and the Toronto Blue Jays. Minnesota Twins end up winning three to one over the Blue Jays. The streak is over. The streak is over. This is not an exaggeration. The Twins' 18-game postseason losing streak dating back to 2004 was an unfavorable stretch of misery. And now that's ended with the bird eliminated, maybe the Twins can surprise in a wide-open American League bracket. Especially if Royce Lewis keeps hitting like this. The rookie was Minnesota's best hitter by hadn't played since September 19th because of a hamstring injury. All he did was hit two home runs and drive in three runs against tough Kevin Gusman. Gusman challenged him with the 3-2-4 seamer in the first inning rather than his best pitch, a splitter, and Lewis crushed it for a two-run home run just like he crushed four seamers in a regular season. Feel like a bad pitch selection there from Gusman? Indeed, with Sonny Gray going in Game 2 against a Toronto lineup that just doesn't scare you. Uh, Kevin Biggio hitting fifth, and the Twins might actually win their first postseason series since, since the 2002 American League Divisional Series. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, one thing to know for Game 2, Minnesota was rocking after the Twins finally ended their postseason losing streak in Game 1. Now they'll try to clinch a spot in the ALDS against a familiar face in Game 2. Uh, Toronto starter Jose Barros spent the first six years of his career in Minnesota before he being dealt to the Blue Jays at the 2021 trade deadline. Uh, yeah, what was interesting, too, the last out was a uh, when the Minnesota Twins beat the Toronto Blue Jays, the last out was George Springer coming up to bat, former Houston Astros George Springer coming up to bat, and uh, he just grounded it out. All right, so we'll see what Game 2 brings for that. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Texas Rangers and Tampa Bay Rays. The Rangers beat the Rays 4-0. Uh, with Max Scherzer, acquisition got all the headlines at the trade deadline, but it's a good thing Rangers general manager Chris Young traded for a second starting pitcher. Jordan Montgomery, he had a dominating performance against a high-powered Tampa Bay offense. You have to remember, Tampa Bay started the season 13-2 and and uh, started off very strong. And now they're playing for a, a wild-card spot, so you just never know. It's a long season, 163-game season. You never know. Uh, he has now allowed two runs at 34 innings in his past five starts and is looking like a postseason ace, even if unusual one, since he's not a big strikeout pitcher. Uh, the other impressive performance, rookie left fielder Evan Carter went two for two with two doubles and two walks, although Yanni Diaz should have made the play on one of the doubles. Carter is just 21 and didn't make his MLB debut until September 8th. But he already looks like a star at the plate. He had a 1.058 OPS in his 23 uh, regular season games. Oh, and his ninth in the Rangers lineup. Yes, it's a very good lineup. Um, one thing for no for game two. After winning 99 games in a regular season, the Rays will be putting their fate in the hands of Zach Eflin, who came to Tampa Bay as the highest-paid free agent, signed in franchise history last offseason. Eflin was at his best in the trope uh, this year, going 11-4 with a 3.30 ERA 
and at 10.4 strikeouts per nine innings, compared to 5-4 with a 3.77 ERA and 8.8K, nine on the road. Um, so that's the wild card round. We'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me for the Houston Astros Divisional Series, uh, who do you want to see? Do you want to see the Toronto Blue Jays or the Minnesota Twins in there? Um, that's a good question. I would probably rather see the Minnesota Twins in there other than the Toronto Blue Jays. It's going to be interesting to play against Carlos Carrera again. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll see what what this brings. Uh, I would like to see the uh, uh, Minnesota Twins in there. It'd be interesting to have that. Of course, if the Toronto Blue Jays get in there, they will be playing against former Astros George Springer and Craig Biggio's son Calvin Biggio. So, um, whatever happens, happens. But I would love to see the Twins in there. Okay, let's. Uh, Let's move on to the history portion of our show. Uh, you guys remember the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You guys remember the, uh, the classic film Rudy, right? So let's talk about certain scenes from Rudy. There's a scene where the players, uh, after Rudy really busted his butt to try to get a spot on the team, the players come in, and there's a very emotional scene where he, all the players give up their jerseys to have Rudy dress for a game. So... It was reported, I think, on the Rich Eisen show that while talking to Joe Montana, Notre Dame quarterback Joe Montana, that he uh, he does remember Daniel E. Rudy Rudiger. Um, you know, in the last he did get a get a sack in the last play against Georgia Tech. Uh, they did carry him off the field. That is all true. However, what is not true is uh, the players going in and putting their uh, jersey down on Dan Devine's decks, who was uh, then the head coach for Notre Dame football. He came from the Green Bay Packers of that time. Um, Dan Devine had said, you know, if any kid had come in and put his jersey down on the uh, on the on his desk, then that would be the last time he ever stepped on my field again. Um, so uh, Hollywood did take a little bit of creative liberties towards that. Uh, but he, uh, but I love that movie. It's a great movie. And, uh, Sean Astin, who played Rudy, uh, did a great job in it. He was also in Lord of the Rings. But, um, uh, Joe Montana had come on the show and he said, yeah, you know, that would have been it. But also to the, you know, the crowd chanting Rudy, Rudy at the end of the film to put him in for a play. Um, he goes, that did not happen. He goes, it was in Dan Devine's best interest. And it was, a, it was a, uh, tradition to let all the seniors play in the last game so that's kind of how he got put in he did make a tackle on georgia tech's quarterback at the end he did get carried off but he goes but nobody chanted rudy he did get put in um and uh he said you know joe montana he remembers when he was he was a quarterback there i think rudy was a senior and montana was coming in as a freshman and he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I remember. He goes, I remember Rudy. He goes, he was a really good guy. Uh, I was a young freshman quarterback. This is Joe Montana's words. And uh, he goes, but a lot, a lot of the movie took uh, a lot of creative liberties on, on, uh, on how to, uh, you know, uh, like Hollywood does on, on the writing and the, uh, the visuals of the movie. So we'll see there. Uh, let's move on to college football real quick. We have uh, number 11, Alabama, taking on Texas A&M Aggies uh, in football on Saturday, October 7th. The game starts at 2.30 p.m. Um, uh, let's see here. It says right here by Sports Illustrated, 
Nick Saban challenging players to practice more ahead of Texas A&M matchup. Um, after losing in Kyle Field two seasons ago, Saban is trying to make sure Alabama doesn't make the same mistake again. This is at Tus- Port in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Nick Saban isn't making any claims about where Texas A&M ranks in terms of toughness of opponent like he did last week with Mississippi State, but the Alabama head coach knows the difficulty ahead of his team against the Aggies. You guys remember that game when Johnny Menzel was quarterback a couple years ago and ended up upsetting the Aggies, or excuse me, ended up upsetting um, the Alabama Crimson Tide at, in Aggieland at Kyle Field. So um, let's see here. It's going to be really important for us to have the kind of intensity that we need to have uh, throughout the week at practice. Save it said Monday. It's almost like, hey, we're going to challenge you this week at practice because it's going to be hard in the game. And you need to be locked in all week long. You need to be ready for the challenge that you're going to get when you play against a good team on the road in a really tough environment. Uh, right now, Texas A&M is unranked, but the Aggie season so far has been on a pretty similar trajectory to number 12 Alabama. Both teams are 4-1 and 2-0 and in the SEC with a non-conference loss in Week 2. Texas A&M lost on the road in Week 2 to number 17 Miami, while Alabama lost at home to number 3 Texas. Um, let's see here. The Aggies were also unranked last time Alabama traveled to play at Kyle Field. All throughout the week of 2021, Saban warned the players and fans that A&M was a better team than its ranking, or lack thereof. Show that the game turned into an upset win with the Aggies knocking off the, the then number one Crimson Tide, 41-38. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, hopefully, Texas A&M will, uh, will win that matchup. And uh, we'll see. So, it's a... Uh, it should be a good uh, a good matchup coming up. Let's see here. We also uh, moving on real quick. We also got let's talk about another Texas team to start the cross state rivals, who is second in the Big Twelve right now, but will be moving to the SEC later on to continue the rivalry between the Aggies and the Longhorns. Uh, it's the Texas Longhorns football team. That guess what the uh, Red River Shootout is upon us. Uh, number three Texas versus number twelve Oklahoma. It's always a proud tradition. You know, I've gone uh, years ago. It's been a while since I've been there. You get to see Big Tex. You got the Texas Fair. It's all so much fun in Dallas. Um, so, uh, last season, or excuse me, not last season, last week uh, on Saturday, September 30th, number three Texas ended up demolishing number four, or excuse me, Kansas 40 to 14, the Kansas Jayhawks. Before that, number three Texas took off Baylor, ended up demolishing Dip 38 to 6. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, burnt orange threads at the Cod Bowl. It's from Texas football. Let's see. Uh, ESPN. Let's see five takeaways from Texas and Oklahoma lined up to be a beauty. With week five of the college football season in the books, we're seeing some intriguing storylines beyond the two big two conferences of the SEC and Big Ten. Uh, the Red River rivalry is lined up to be one of the biggest games of the series in recent history. West Virginia has emerged as a surprise in the Big 12, and Louisville is experiencing a resurgence in the ACC. But can the Cardinals slay Notre Dame? Here's a look at our reporters. Texas-Oklahoma could be a return to its classic form. The Longhorns and Sooners are heading to Dallas for a matchup that feels on paper more like their legendary early 2000s heavyweight fights. In 2009, number three Texas versus number 20 Oklahoma rumbled to a 16-13 Longhorns win that then-Texas coach Mack Brown said was more like a fight after a year after Texas' 45-35 victory. 
Um, this year, following the story 49-0 blowout of the Sooners, number three Texas faces number 12 Oklahoma in a matchup that will uh, mark just the third time both teams are at least 5-0. and um, Last year, Oklahoma fell to 6-7 after allowing 461 yards and 30 points per game. The Sooners signed seven ESPN 300 defensive recruits, their most uh, since the rankings began in 2006. One of them is side safety Peyton Bowen, the number 17 overall player in the class, leads Oklahoma with four passes, broken up, and has blocked two punts. Um, let's see here. Uh, Texas, meanwhile, is a 5-0 and for the first time since 2009. The last time it won the Big 12, the Longhorns beat number 24 Kansas by 26 points on Saturday. The largest win in an AP-ranked matchup since 2009 against Oklahoma State. Um, so I think it's going to be a great matchup. The Red River Shootout is always a great matchup. I know every Longhorn fan, every uh, Sooner fan will be out there. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of which, Texas showed off its burnt orange lights over at uh, Texas Memorial Stadium in Austin. Uh, it looked pretty cool. Uh, it was dark. They showed the lights. It was burnt orange lights. The entire field was lit up in burnt orange. Pretty cool. Very traditional. Um, very school pride-ish. So uh, that's great for them. And, uh, yeah, so that's it for this show of the Matthew Paris Show. Make sure you hit that little subscribe button right there. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll see you guys very, very soon. You guys take care now. Okay.